Thanks for tuning in to Mining Matters. Hi, I'm Neville Judd from Hexagon Radio. Joining me today are Louise Dorr and June Craig. Louise Dorr is a former Western Australia Entrepreneur of the Year and co-founded a successful mining technology company before joining Hexagon in 2017. June Craig has spent the better part of a century committed to public service and humanitarian issues. Her interest in migrant welfare led to the establishment of a Citizens Advice Bureau in regional Western Australia. She was only the second woman in Western Australia to serve as a government minister during nine years in Parliament when she was the only serving woman. For almost a decade, media described June Craig as the most powerful woman in the state. June was recognized with an Order of Australia in 1994, and she just happens to be Louise Dawes' grandmother. Both women join us today to discuss their achievements, the adversity encountered en route, and what it takes to champion diversity and inclusion in the workplace. June and Louise, thank you for joining us. Thank We're you, delighted to, to join you, Nev. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thanks. Uh, I'd like to start with you, Louise. If you could tell us a little bit about your career in mining and technology and June's influence along the way. Sure. Uh, look, I think it's difficult to live in Western Australia and not get involved in mining uh, because it is such a dominant industry here. But the technology part came about by accident. I had great aspirations to become an accountant uh, at university and it was only doing a one of the courses that we had to do in order to graduate was a computer programming course. And it infuriated me, it challenged me, and at the end of the semester, I got top marks for it, and I realised that uh, I love being challenged, and so I changed my degree so that I could work in the technology space. So uh, taking that background with a technology degree from Curtin University, and then mining was so dominant here, uh, I worked through different businesses, lots of startups in Western Australia uh, until starting my own uh, with my husband, Rob Dorr. And we went about trying to digitise parts of the mining industry that had previously been overlooked or just considered too difficult to digitise. And if I relay that back to the influence for my gran, she's obviously been a role model my whole life about you know, that your skills and capability are what define who you are, not your gender. Uh, so, you know, the, the fact that it was male-dominated <laughs> was never really a concern to me. So, so June, uh, Louise tells me that your life motto is dedicated to humanity. And I'm interested to know what or who set you on, on that path. In life, there are coincidences. And it just happened that I went to Perth to have the, my three children with me uh, for, for a couple of years instead of their being at boarding school. Uh, while I was in Perth, I could do a course with Good Neighbour Council um, that related to migrants. And so it just happened by chance that I could then go back and have the opportunity to establish a, a Good Neighbour Council come Citizens Advice Bureau, um, 
well, I couldn't ever call it a business. Um, I operated from a room that was about as big as a cupboard. Um, I, I had uh, it furnished from what was in my basement, uh, and I had $300, and that was all. And so that's, you call that an entrepreneur these days? Yes, <laughs> true. I suppose. <laughs> so it was very small beginnings, but uh, it was... And really, it was the people I met through that, um, but the people I would never have met otherwise uh, as a farmer's wife. Uh, and so, I had a, I had, I had an ability to equate to those people, and I knew that when it came to a, an election, if I could possibly be a candidate that was accepted. Um, that I could get the numbers. And so that's another story, but that's how it all opened up for me. Did you have mentors along the way that inspired you to this? No, I only had people who thought I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must reveal something about your character then, because obviously you're <laughs> a rebellious spirit. <laughs> I can imagine it was quite the opposite of having mentors, but quite isolating as you door knocked and tried to raise money and raise awareness and people asked you why your husband wasn't being fed dinner. Oh, that's right, exactly. That was the one question. And wow. what's happening to your husband, they would say, when I knocked on door? I'd say he's all looked after. And where are your children? Well, they've all grown up. Oh, you know, so... And so it went on. I'd, I'd have to say that being elected as the only woman in, a, in the West Australian Parliament, it was, was, well, first of all, it was extraordinary for me to be able to be the endorsed candidate because I did have to stand against 11 men. Uh, and so I guess that was my first opportunity to say, here, I'm going to have the opportunity to show you I can do it as well. But be where I believe I can do it better. And so that was when I started door knocking for nearly three months, which I have to tell you is not an easy occupation. And wow. then um, I was elected. And, you know, I have to tell you, I had never even been to Parliament House at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, it was something of which I was, I would have to say, I was proud, proud of. Um, and still a lot of people thought I was mad, but it, it didn't matter. And I managed to survive there for nine years. Well, the second, the second female in WA history, but the only female at the time. And right. Yes. Got a lot of attention. Yes, it did. Uh, Louise, um it's, it's no secret that women are poorly represented among um, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, uh, <laughs> otherwise known as STEM, uh, either as graduates or in the workplace. Um, what are some of the ways you think that more women can be attracted to STEM careers? So in mining and in STEM in particular, based subjects, it's about working with foundations that focus on promoting women in technology, uh, getting different aged women from different STEM careers 
into the schools, talking to them, mentoring them, showcasing them. I mean, Gren's still quite actively involved uh, with one of the schools here, uh, and she was just telling me about how they do, you know, massive STEM programs for the girls' schools from the year five onwards. So it's just about making it more accessible and, and, and just following the slogan that the WITWA Women in Technology WA use. They say, if you can see her, you can be her. So, What, what do you think companies like Hexagon can be doing uh, towards diversity and inclusivity? I think Hexagon is doing a great job at the moment uh, because they're, they're engaged regionally uh, <clears throat> with foundations that do promote STEM and, and females in STEM-based roles. So I think that we continue to support and help those regional communities uh, and foundations that are trying to get to that roots level and, and you know, to open up our doors and let people come in and see what type of work that we do, um, you know, showcase all the amazing technology that we develop um, and, and really just let them know that, that these, are, these careers are entirely possible for anyone. Yes, I think that in, in order to make the, the girls at school, I can only talk girls because I'm involved with a girls' school, an all-girls school, um, it would be it would be advantageous for all of the um, students if the people who came to speak to them about STEM, if you like, um, were people that they could relate to. In other words, I think it needs to be a younger speaker who is already achieving and can get them to aspire to do the same thing and not believe that they had that it's only old people who manage to do that because very often a, a speaker will be a person who's retired uh, and very difficult mm. for the for the girls to quite relate senior to that. in the company yes yeah. so um you know someone as 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 attractive and nippy as my granddaughter here <laughs> sitting next to me would be a great advantage on a platform. Can I say so? <laughs> you just did, yeah. I actually, it, it makes me think. I'm curious to know, Lou, when you when you talk to girls. Um, I mean, some girls might uh, think that a career might be at the have to be at the expense of family or children. Do Do they know that you're you're a mother of four children? Correct. That's correct. Yes. Is that something that um, you would share in, in a talk or a conversation or does that not generally come up? Uh, no, I'm very open about being a mother and I'm always more than happy to talk about the, the challenges of balancing work and family life. Uh, but these days you can achieve, as Gren's saying, that you don't actually have to be mature in age to mm. make achievements in your career. Uh, so I worked really hard in my 20s. Um, started a family in my 30s and now I've just ticked over into my 40s so I might no longer I may no longer qualify for that young uh, <laughs> that Graham was talking about well, uh, so you definitely qualify <laughs> the message really and, and <laughs> is that yes you can do what you want but you can't do everything 
So right. what is important to you? And, 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 you know, if you're wanting to excel in your career, then yes, you're going to have to make sacrifices in your family at that time. Um, but then if your family is the most important, like the biggest focus for you, then, you know, make career sacrifices and then return to your career once the children have grown. Like Gran proved that model. She, her children mm-hmm. were all grown up before her career began. One of the greatest difficulties I faced was that I had a, a curiosity value. And so I was asked to speak at a, a great amount of things, you know, extraordinary things. I mean, you know, what do you think of when you were opening a funeral parlour? Um, or the things when I was the speaker at graduation ceremonies of universities and things like that. Well, the male members hated that. You know? They really hated that. There was, they'd say, but, but, but why have you been asked? And I'd say, well, you better go and ask the people who asked me. You know, I don't know. Um, Jealousy. So really, I think it was the curiosity value that that people thought, well, we've always had a man speaking to us. Let's try that day. Mm -hmm. I think, Nev, one of the the things that Gran does also talk about is uh, in Parliament when she's trying to prove points or try to, you know, argue cases that it was so easy back in those days for them to just try and dismiss Gran saying well, you're just here as a token female um, but uh, at the end of her tenure she received a letter from the Premier to say um, that those those people that made those statements have, have come to realise that that you were never a token that you earned your place here and you demonstrated that every day. Mm-hmm. That was very nice. Right. Well <clears throat> I mean, both of you in your careers are familiar with being the only female in the room. I'm interested in in finding out what what helps or what helped you to be successful in male-dominated professions. Uh, you know, Nev, I never, I just was so passionate about what I was doing and I enjoyed it so much that it never really occurred to me that I was uh a handful of girls graduating from my degree that you know I was often the only female employee in the technology divisions of the companies it just did not occur to me because that's not what I was there for like the girls versus the boys it's it was the skills the people that I could learn from the mentors uh, you know it was my education it was my experience and so I think that you're getting yourself at a disadvantage if you're considering your gender in a career. You've got to think about what you enjoy about that career, what experience you want to gain from it, what skills you can bring to the table, and what achievements you want from that career, uh, and then and then worry about everything else. Well, that's such a good answer. I don't know that I can add anything to it, <laughs> uh, you know, really. Um, you I know. don't think that you thought about the fact that you're a female, I mean, you were reminded that you're a female, but it's it wasn't a thought that probably crossed your mind when you decided to take on uh, politics. The only thing I can say is that if you're a female working with men, all men, you really need to make quite sure that you have done your homework well and that um, you can, oh, well, not only stand up against them, I, I think be better than them. And that's what I strove to do. 
Well, I did. I did want to close by asking you both. Um, it's clear that in your lives you've set goals personally and professionally, um, and I'm interested to know um, what what you think the keys to achieving the goals that you've set have been. I think in my life, I don't know that it was possible for me to really set goals because I did so many different things. I mean, from being a farmer's wife to um, opening a bureau to being a politician and then opening a children's clothing, <laughs> children's business. clothing business um, and then um, being chairman of a large school for a, over a period of seven years or so. Um, I suppose at whatever stage of life you were, the only thing you could do was do it as well as you could, but with your own stamp, not necessarily following your, the, mm. your predecessor. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Louise? Oh, look, I think that that's another great influence of Grand's is that it, once you set your mind to doing something, do it well. Uh, and, and you know, you've got to oversee the adversity and the challenges to, to, to do it well. Um, and it doesn't always have to be, you know, one single defined achievement that you're trying to track. As Gran said, she, she's jumped around and wants to, wanted to be a good mother and a good wife and a good businesswoman and a good politician. Uh, and, I, and I sort of follow the same principles and philosophy. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Thanks again so much for your insight. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. Well, thank you, Neil. I think we both enjoyed it. Yes, we did. So thank you very much for listening to our story. That's great. Well, a big thank you to our guests, June Craig and Louise Dorr, for joining us today. For more information about today's topic, visit hexagonmining.com. And to watch additional content or learn more, visit hxgnspotlight.com. Thanks for tuning in.